2: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Agents of Mace. Today, we're continuing our watch through our chronological air quote watch through of the X-Men films. Uh, As we stated in the last episode, we are finally to the better X-Men films. um, And we're on my favorite X-Men film, X2. Uh, So that's where we're going to be today. Today we also have a special guest with us, it is your normal cast myself Luke and Elisa
3: and then we're also joined by Donovan so uh, say hello Donovan. <laughs> hey everyone, um, my name is Donovan Thompson I also run um, 241 studios so youtube.com slash 241 studios we do podcasts just like these guys every we talking about superhero stuff Star Wars comic books you name it. We also have original content like reviewing collectors action figures. Um, old movies that you probably haven't heard about, stuff like that. So, yeah, check us out, youtube.com slash Studios.
2: Perfect. And I will second, go check them out, because all of the things that he just said are all of the things that I live for. So, yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Remember. clears throat> Quick so, question.
1: Is there going to be any new retro video soon?
3: Oh, man. I don't <laughs> know. I mean, I, I I bought, like, 30 VHSs to do that. That yeah. series. I only did, like, the first 10 What's weird now is that since I've done that, um, now you can have your VHSs graded. Mm-hmm. They're like back it and everything else. And so, like, mm-hmm. I have all these really rare VHSs. I'm like, man, I could get these things graded now. <laughs> nice. uh, now they're like going crazy on eBay, and I'm like, holy crap! Like, I bought them for like three dollars like four years ago. Anyway, that's another that's <laughs> another, that's another, conversation, another conversation.
1: That's wild. Now I wish I would
3: have kept everything from when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, wow. It's, uh, it's dumb. Grading VHSs. That's dumb. But, Maybe. but I oh, bought man. a True Lies VHS just so I could get it graded. So I'm waiting. To, oh,
1: sweet. <laughs> so
3: I could have a perfect
1: kid. Like, uh, that's what Chris Duckman will do just to fund his next movie.
2: <laughs> uh, when we were still in Tallahassee, we found somebody that was selling like every Disney movie ever on VHS. Mm. And we bought it. I think it costs like, <clears throat> I don't even know. It's like, 40 or 50 bucks but it was like it was like probably 30 to 40 vhs's yeah and we kept them thinking like oh yeah we're gonna sell these like when they're gonna be you know worth so much money and then that never panned out so then i was gonna do like craft projects with them and that never panned out and then i think we just gave them to goodwill (laughs) there you go Uh, But enough of our tangent, let's get into what we came here to talk about, which is X2, um, the superior X-Men movie, in my opinion.
3: We we have to say it's full title. It's X2, X-Men 2, X-Men United. If we're going to do it, we have to say it. It was uh, far
2: easier to find any information on as well, uh, looking it up. I know we talked about this last week, but X-Men um was probably one of the hardest movies to like find any extra information on since it's just called x-men mm-hmm. and that's like everything with x-men is called x-men so <laughs> <laughs> that's was, that was quite difficult this one not so much um but i know that you know again this is probably one of the earliest dvds that i owned so i've watched this movie a hundred thousand million times um and so there are a bunch of fun little facts and Easter eggs along the way that we'll we'll talk about. And some you may have heard of and some you may not. But uh yeah, so let's we'll dive into our first thoughts. Uh I I mean, I don't want to go first because my first thoughts are just gonna glorify this movie. So I'll
3: <laughs> <laughs> Donovan, you go ahead and kick us off um first of all happy five year anniversary to lisa and mason yes yes thank you not to to date the podcast but i saw it on facebook (laughs) yes uh, thank um, you um yeah i mean you know growing up i I did watch the x-men animated series cartoon like everybody else did but even but honestly i'm a little outlier here during that time period i wasn't a huge fan of the show you know i was like five or six i did live and die and breathe for spider-man animated series and batman animated series but for some reason the x-men didn't really grab me and i think part of that is because by the time i got home x-men was ending and spider-man was starting on fox so i think i was always catching the last 30 <laughs> seconds and i was just like get, get the spider-man you know so um so growing up you know i, I didn't have a huge affinity for the x-men i always liked uh, wolverine i always liked gambit though um and of course you know 2000 what 2002 we had spider-man so this was like in between, what it's this come out, 2003? Yeah, so this is right in between X-Men 1, um, or spider runs in between X-Men 1, X-Men 2, right? And so we had Blade in the mid-90s, early early mid-90s. So X-Men kind of came in with like this, you know, it's a superhero movie, right? It's a big budget superhero movie with big special effects, and it's got some real filmmaking behind it too. It's not just some, you know, crappy B-movie that was thrown together just to make a buck. Um, the studio actually put some, put some weight behind it. And of course, as a kid, I love these. I love these movies. I mean, I you know love seeing the superhero stuff, and I love seeing the the powers and Wolverine. And I think I like Cyclops a lot. And then I saw the movie, and I was like, "Man, I like that guy who has the claws." Wolverine, and, you know. So I think that was the thing I always gravitated towards, like everybody else did. Um, but I will say that as a kid, um, even though I love these movies, I even then I was missing like I want the colorful costumes. I want. You know, I want to feel more comic booky and I wanted I, I wanted that aesthetic to it. And I and I understand now and I understood then too why we didn't get that, because we had to kind of break the general audience in. Um but I remember watching this movie as a kid and I remember really liking it, but I also remember thinking, I don't know, it just didn't grab me like something like Spider-Man or those other things because I think it was made for a more adult audience at the time. So when this came out, I was um I was eleven when this came out. And and um, just like you, I had I got the I got the, the DVD, um uh, the two disc special edition widescreen DVD for Christmas um that year for my grandma. And so I you know, I I my fiance was like, Hey, are you gonna watch watch it before the podcast? I said, I don't need to watch it before the podcast. I said I've seen it <laughs> literally over 20, 30 times. And then I started I started about 20 minutes ago and I was like, let me watch the beginning again. And I was like, damn, I wish I'd watched this again before <laughs> the pod. Because i was really enjoying it and just hearing patrick stewart do the opening monologue and then uh, you know all those kind of things that sometimes we take for granted for because we've had it for so long in our lives and um and even kind of hits different now knowing that hugh and is coming back for deadpool 3 seeing him pretty young back then in 2003 and then even just seeing patrick in uh, the beginning of stuff and then thinking about dr strange multiverse of madness me like you know i'm so glad we got him that cameo but it's also like man he was so underutilized you know this even mm. the opening monologue of X-Men 2 and I have a lot of thoughts about it overall um I really enjoyed the movie um you know I can't wait for the the what I would say the true X-Men and the MCU coming eventually but I'm I'm happy with it and I'm glad we I'm glad it's in our history books.
1: <laughs> love it love it yeah a little slightly different experience on my end because i think i was a little bit older and this is one of those more memorable theater experiences for me especially getting into that final scene because i was so heavy into the animated series and of these characters like i just remember seeing that last shot i just lost my mind completely <laughs> um but revisiting this was a very interesting experience. And I agree with a lot of what you said. The storyline is definitely geared more towards the adult audiences because this is a little bit of a a heavier storyline with a lot of characters to pay attention to with backstory. But revisiting this, seeing that like Brian Cox, like I totally forgot that he was Striker. And I'm like a huge Succession fan and seeing him as Striker is just awesome. And if you're hearing this background noise, I apologize. <laughs> I had <gotta> to go <laughs> to kids in just a second. Uh, but all in all, I'll say I loved it, and I'll be right back in a
3: second. No <laughs> worries, I have a I have a dryer behind me, so it's it's fine, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> this is real life, you know. It is, yeah. <laughs> real real people.
2: Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> how, how about you, Elisa?
0: Oh, um, this was uh, we've already said this is one of the more enjoyable <laughs> X Men films, and this was pretty early whenever I was a kid, and I'd started to like these kinds of movies because you know whenever i was really really young the only stuff that was really available were the animated tv shows which i watched a handful of uh and like batman and uh by the time i was old enough to kind of be more interested in movies they were they had the not great batman movies that were uh being released um
3: whoa, whoa, and so, whoa. I'm talking about Batman Forever, you're talking about Batman and Robin. Which which one are you crapping on right now?
0: I'm talking about all of them. And I will say, in their favor, I actually sat down and watched them for the first time this year. And you know what they are? They're fun. Yeah. yeah. They have they have the bright colors. They've got enormous, ridiculous set pieces. They've got amazing actors cast in every single role. Like that now i totally appreciate them but back then all i remember hearing is how like over the top and cheesy and ridiculous they were and like and i was a like elementary age girl i wasn't going to beg my parents to take me to see a movie (laughs) that i'd heard was not good at the theater but uh then we started getting uh these movies and spider-man and then i got more interested and because they were Good. They were higher quality, and this is one that I remember. Like I also watched that uh, multi-disc <laughs> set of this, and just like poured over all the special features. And I think it had a lot to do with my growing uh, uh, intense admiration of Hugh Jackman <laughs> uh, around <laughs> this time. <laughs> and so this is one that I remember thinking was like really, really good. I was like, oh, it's so polished. It's so awesome. There's so many great action beats and love all the characters then watching it this time i won't say that it seemed worse but there were a lot of things that never jumped out to me as a youth that have this time there were several points that i yelled ew or no at the screen (laughs) (laughs) but i still take away from it that this is a solidly crafted movie Like there's a lot to love about X2, Uh, stuff that is, you know, we know lost in X3, which we'll talk about soon. So yeah, I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I grew up um, on like the other side where I watched the X Men comic, I read X Men comic, or sorry, I watched the X Men animated show, I read X Men comics. I wasn't really into anything else like i watched the batman movies but it was more because i was a little boy that was like yeah cool comic book movie it's batman um but at the time i you know i don't think i appreciated uh those movies like i do now but for the x-men movies like when the first one came out i was so excited because it was like oh this is the stories that like i know like i wasn't a huge i mean i watched spider-man of course like it was a superhero thing but i wasn't like big into spider-man um i didn't really know anything about the avengers uh i was just like pretty much strictly x-men for a very long time so seeing the first x-men movie i was like cool a comic book movie with x-men but it's weird that they're all like you know dressed like the matrix because it was the early Mm. thousands um definitely (laughs) the
1: trend at that point
2: yeah but then when this one came out i think uh i appreciated it more because i felt like it was a more true x-men story where it's like this battle between mutants and everyone else and there's the the x-men side of mutants that are like we want mutant freedom but we're not gonna Mm -hmm. like just kill humans and then there's the brotherhood side that's like we're gonna kill everybody because you don't want us here but we're superior and that struggle like came into this movie all while being like bundled and warped around this like semi origin story for Wolverine. Uh, so mm-hmm. it was like the perfect mix for me of because, yeah, well, I mean, Wolverine is. Who, who likes X-Men and Wolverine isn't their favorite character mm-hmm. like. I so that
0: his favorite is Storm. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well or Nightcrawler. <laughs> second to I bet second. I bet I bet Wolverine's up there top 5. Uh Yeah. <laughs> At least top 25
3: top 30. That's yes.
1: <clears throat> yeah, I like Nightcrawler and this 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 is one of those things is, is going back in time as a kid like seeing the trailer for this like like Nightcrawler was like what got me excited to to see this and see, you know, what they'll do with the effects. Like I really hope we can get a comic accurate Nightcrawler costume in a future mcu Mm -hmm. project i think that would be so cool um
3: so this i remember the the reverence of just the opening scene not really from my perspective but just online and just kind of you know being in the zeitgeist of like what people Mm -hmm. like and that kind of stuff and people still regard the opening of x-men 2 as one of the the best openings (laughs) just remove all time Mm -hmm. and i just watched it a minute ago and and, you know i I totally see that again i'm i'm just not a huge x-men person and uh it doesn't really grab me as much but um yeah i mean i i it's a really well crafted sequence for sure
1: yeah that opening still like i cuz i i rewatched this a few days ago and really enjoyed it um kind of going back with earlier thoughts like i think for me with this one the story holds up strong the the graphics the visual effects not as much doesn't really (laughs) hold these days now that we have everything that mcu has been doing especially the last some of the last moments in the film it's it was a little like cringy at moments but um but in terms of like the monologue and the story like man i think it really hits and really holds strong
2: it's something that i wish they would bring back to movies i love a good credit sequence
1: Mm -hmm.
3: love it i was thinking about it as we as it started i was like you know I, I totally know why. I totally get why we don't have it anymore. I just get right into it. And sure. Yeah. I don't know if kids, attention spans these days could even handle it. But I was watching it and I was like, you know, this, this, this rocks. I was like, this, you know, it's like, it's, you know, especially if you got to imagine too, like seeing this in a theater for the first time, that music is kicking in. And then you see mm-hmm. 20th Century Fox and the big, the, you know, the score is kicking in at the highest point, the crescendo. Mm-hmm. And you're like, God dang, I'm fixing to watch this
4: <laughs> you know, like, yeah, Oh, yeah. Like that, you, know? yeah. You, got,
3: you got some sweet. DNA CGI thing happening you know so um, but yeah no I one one, one thing about what Drew said earlier is one of the the strongest things about this movie is how it doubles as Wolverine's origin but how it ties organically to the plot in terms of what William Stryker wants what Brotherhood and what the X-Men want and then what the humans want so I, I think that's one credit to it that I think works really well and I think that this was the best use of his of wolverine's time in the x-men mm. movies I, yeah. x-men one really does a good job too just kind of like he's mysterious and he's just this cool mm. character and I, you know i know i didn't what was the order real quick have you guys watched first class and wolverine mm-hmm. origins okay yeah so you guys did like a quasi time yeah model. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay um so yeah so obviously this is the best like they should have stopped with x-men 2 with wolverine in terms of like digging deeper into him for his mm-hmm. origin, you know, do, mm-hmm. do the future stuff all you want, like do the Samurai Ronin stuff that we got later. But I think they should have stopped here because this is the most intriguing he got in terms of like where he come from. When you start peeling back all those layers and like X-Men Origins Wolverine, you know, they're just, they're not as exciting. So some of, the, some of it is just knowing what happened the Other part of it is when they don't execute it very well, it kind of <laughs> sours what mm-hmm. you do know yeah. and, uh, you know. Then You have like things like Deadpool, that just the worst <laughs> adaptation ever, you know, in that movie it makes it even worse. But yeah, so I, I think what Drew said is, is on point and the way they all those things combine. And I want to say one thing real quick. Two things. One, Elisa, Batman Forever, as the kids would say, slaps. Um, and, and two, uh, David Hayter is one of the writers for this movie. And David Hayter, um, I don't know if you anyone knows this in the pod or whatever, but um, he did a project called Giver 2 Dark Hero. And Giver 2 fucking rules, if you haven't seen it. It's like a R-rated Power Rangers. Giver's like one of my favorite things of all time.
2: He does and the Giver kick, right? Do what? He does the Giver kick. The,
3: the, I mean, there is a specific kick I'm thinking of when you say that, but I don't know it's, if it's is the like his, It's like
2: it's a special move. Yeah. yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> um, but you guys oh can God, check that out sad. if you haven't seen it. It's a really cool movie.
1: Um, I don't know if I've ever seen that, but now I... I want we to,
3: gotta sure. watch Guyver one first with Mark Hamill, and then you gotta watch Guyver two Dark Hero. Yeah, Giver 2 Dark Hero is the is it
1: the Guyver or just Guyver?
3: The first one's the Guyver, the second one's Guyver two Dark Hero.
1: I um,
2: actually watched that movie specifically because the uh, the writer and the lead and the action short film that I did, he's right? a huge fan, and he wanted to do the Guyver kick mm. in the fight scene, and I was like, yeah. I don't know what that is. So I watched it, and I was like, Yeah, absolutely. So he did the the like fancy kick for there you go for the there fight scene <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay all right i'm definitely gonna check these out
3: <laughs> you should my dream is to make a geyber movie that's sidebar to go on
2: well really quick jumping uh, jumping back to back a little bit um talking about how like they should have stopped with wolverine's like origin story here i definitely agree as much as like a an x-men and wolverine fan That I am Um, we've talked about my experience before with uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine but I I feel like they should have stopped as well because the callback to this particular like storyline in the newer Dark Phoenix movie was the perfect addition to this storyline that we've seen the beginning of here If only they had put him in the like comic accurate head, like cyborg headpiece and belt that he had on, this would have been amazing. That -hmm. was like my favorite part of the Dark Phoenix movie is when we see Wolverine like break out of Striker's facility, which is what we sort of see in this movie, but in a Again, like we we kind of understand why they didn't do comic accurate stuff at the time. Mm-hmm.
3: But I feel like you mean, X-Men Apocalypse, whenever. Is that, that what? It, yeah. 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 Is that apocalypse. what it is? Apocalypse. OK. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, I feel like the. Now, you know, we can start putting in comic accurate outfits and it it's okay. But at the time they were probably like, people don't want to see that. Like who wants to watch a guy wearing a yellow and blue suit run around? Like that's stupid. (laughs) Every fan out there. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Uh, But I feel like the, the like headpiece and stuff that he wears, like I get that, you know, this was early X-Men. This was like the kickoff for Hugh Jackman's like super career as Wolverine and Logan so they wanted to show his face. They didn't want to cover it up with this goggles and all this tech on his head. But I feel like that would have been a real easy thing to do. And it would have made that scene so much cooler uh, when he breaks out. But before we get too far away from the beginning of the movie, I did want to point out um, there's a fun little nod to X-Men Evolutions, which I know. I don't know if, if anyone watched that series uh, growing mm-hmm. up as well, I did. but um the tour guide in the White House is actually the voice actress for Jubilee from that series. Yeah. Um, so that was like a fun little nod. Um, I know we were talking a little bit about the the way that this film was shot and they do a lot of really cool things that like weren't super common practice yet. Now, I feel like we get more of that, but uh, yeah. they do that really cool transition where they go through the people and. Um, and into the Oval Office. And as opposed to X1, where we're watching a lot of stuff through the eyes and the perspective of the X-Men, in this movie, we get a lot more of the other side of that, where we're like watching the X-Men through the eyes of the the people, mm-hmm. like humans instead, uh, especially this whole first scene where they're, you know, it's almost like a horror movie, right? Like <laughs> here's this, Giant blue demon that can teleport, and he's attacking the White House, and they can't do anything to stop him. And even when they open the door, and there's like all the the smoke, which like mm-hmm. did he teleport like a thousand times in one space to make that much smoke in one area? But
3: he that whole st- dude, man, he just <laughs> locked
2: up. it
3: up. <laughs> yeah, take a second if I kill the president.
2: Could you imagine if his like teleport smoke just lingered like that everywhere? I mean. It'd be
3: crazy you get bottled up and sell it on ebay probably <laughs>
2: <laughs> but right. and that whole scene was like really cool and just yeah it it gave you the the other side of the story which i think is important for the x-men because like you know as a kid you're watching it and you're like oh the x-men are the good guys like all the humans attacking the x-men like that's so crazy the x-men are the good guys but this movie kicks it off by showing you like no look how scary it would be to be this like secret service guy trying to protect the president Mm -hmm. from something you have no idea what it is how to stop it um i i thought that was a really powerful way to start the movie and especially like you said now as an adult watching it you kind of see it through a different lens uh whereas like a kid probably you know i highly doubt that i caught on to The fact that, like, oh, you know, he's scary. I was probably more like, well, the president probably did something bad. And and the X-Men are coming to get him. Uh, So.
1: So a lot of a lot of the story in X2, excuse me, is actually based around a novel. God loves man kills, which I think really ties in, especially a lot of the different uh, dialogue sequences in this, because you do get some minor religious aspects in this one. But, you know, the whole focus is around Stryker just wanting to eradicate mutants. And mm-hmm. you get that political element in it as well of like, we know this is going on, but we're still terrified of it. And uh, But yeah, you hit that point like that opening scene sticks with you for sure. Because mm-hmm. you just don't know what direction this movie is going to go in at that point. Like, where is this going to be more of a horror type superhero movie? Mm-hmm. Or how, how are these superheroes actually going to come into play here?
2: Well, and uh, I think from that series, the 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 version of Striker that we get in this movie is based on that Striker, which is uh, Reverend Striker, who's not necessarily the same Striker that we get in like the the more classic origin of the X Force, uh, which would be General Striker. So I, you know, if if you're not if you're not a fan, none of this makes any sense. But uh, you know, if you, I do also agree that I think that this. A lot of the striker that we get in this movie is more based on that that comic run than the traditional general striker
0: something i noticed in this opening sequence again just i've never clocked as a kid is that the secret service does not get the president out of the oval office you could say they just get cornered or they don't have time they just—they're like pushing him down to where he's like kind of crouched. That is the maximum amount of protection they offer to the president when the White House is under attack. Yeah, I would hope that in real life, <laughs> this could not happen. But we don't know because mutants.
1: White House has to have like a bat cave Like, there's got to be a button. <laughs> That's Wait, because
3: because like, mutants floor burn. just
0: like goes out of the. <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I felt like
3: it was pretty realistic to protection services kind of stuff. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of standard. I mean, pushing them down like that, you know, basically sparting them, you know, around them. I mean, yeah, I mean that kind of situation, you know, even the most trained individual, how do you judge that, especially when you have, you know, sellable eBay smoke everywhere. So I just don't <laughs> you know, I don't know. I mean I, I I give that one a pass. You know, I will say one little story nugget. Um it, we know that striker doesn't want to kill the president because he needs authorization to get to um, Xavier's mansion. So it's like he's he just supposed to stab the table next to him, but it, it's almost played off like it was an, it's more of a plot thing. Like the writers are trying to do this. Like he gets shot by a secret service agent. He drops the knife. The idea is that he's supposed to be like a lone agent and that he's supposed to try to kill the president. So I'm like, what would have happened if the guy didn't shoot him? Cause like it mm-hmm. like gives the, the writers a way to get him out of there quickly and to like not, let it play out but like what was supposed to happen was he's supposed to stab him stab the table and then you know what i'm saying like president this kind of think i was going to get killed but the seer service guy kind of helped out the situation for striker by shooting him and like made it play off like oh i'm going to teleport because so i got shot you know but right anyway we're it's a it's a little plot thing that's kind of <laughs> a little weak but it is what it
2: is yeah it's interesting that the whole the whole like plot of striker Mind controlling mutants, um, with this like serum. Because I feel like if he was trying to start a war against mutants, it would have made more sense to like hope that uh, that Nightcrawler succeeded and like killed the president. Because that would, I feel like, start a, a bigger conflict than.
3: Well, I think, I mean, the big thing is that he – it's if, – if he – I mean, to the writer's credit, if he killed the president, it would have – the more focus would have been on the president's death and not – the channels he needed to get to Xavier, which is to get to Cerebro, to mm-hmm. kill all the dudes. So if he had done that, it would have took him longer to get to his path. So I think, like, almost killing him getting authorization quickly because obviously the president's going to do it because he just got killed almost – and then I've, that makes sense, like from a writer perspective, I think, I think that makes sense. Um, it's, it's a it's a quicker path to least resistance, you know.
2: Right. Well, and I know this, you know, this isn't a documentary, it's a scripted <laughs> <laughs> comic book movie, but um, there is a moment where we get to see a computer and on the computer, there's a list of names, which like, if you really want to take the time, sit down and look at all the names, every single name on there is a mutant uh, from either that we have seen, will see, or Haven't seen yet, but they're all mutant names. Um, And then when that window gets closed and we get to see the computer, there's like a ton of other stuff on the computer, like a bunch of names. Uh, We see like Maximoff 2, which would obviously be Wanda and Pietro. So like, that's cool. We see a bunch of stuff about like the Canadian forces. There's a file called X-Force. But one of the big files on there is Trask. And Mm. all I can think is like, well, if he knew who Trask was and what Trask did, then wouldn't he want to partner with Trask to make the sentinels and I just felt like that was a weird that was a weird Easter egg to throw in there when it's like these mm-hmm. two people are aligned in their views and yeah. they're not working together. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's totally the visual effects guy. I I guarantee you, Brian Seeger has no idea that's in that movie. you probably <laughs> ask him right now. And he probably has no idea. I mean, like what's what's funny yeah. is
2: this in the same scene we see Brian Seeger. It shows all the security guards' faces, and oh. all the security guards are actually the crew on the movie, yeah. and he's one of them. So it's like,
3: <laughs> it's like you got to think, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, that that's a visual effects guy in two, in, in a two thousand two, like like three in the morning. Like, I'm gonna put this in there, and he has no idea the Avengers is coming out. And in you know, here, you know, what I'm right. like, this is my last yeah. chance. they are never making another movie like this ever again. I'm putting in Str- um, Trasker's Trask's name in there. So that's what that is.
2: Right. So, yeah. That's hilarious but i was watching that scene and i was like what, <sighs> x2 to me is the perfect first x-men film if you're building a universe for x-men it doesn't it doesn't talk about the first movie i mean i guess a tiny bit but for the most part it doesn't talk about the first movie at all it sets up all of these other things that could potentially happen mm-hmm. and then they just ruined it with x3 like awful follow-up to this amazing movie that set up so many storylines that they could have done and I you know obviously this was far before iron man or even an inkling of the mcu and this like how big it would be but they could have easily done something like that they could have made an entire x-men universe which like i guess sort of is what we have now but it's like convoluted and like doesn't the storylines like mix and match like i'm still confused why they made first class and then immediately the second first class movie like retconned all of the stuff that they were trying to say that first class was going to lead to the x-men movies like it it makes no sense to me especially with one like this go ahead that's
3: because i just had no plan i mean i had no plan at all i mean I, i feel like first class was the top i mean to me, X-Men First Class is probably the best X-Men movie, like not not Wolverine, not Deadpool, but just X-Men movie. I think First Class is the best one. And um, just in terms of enjoyment, you know, I just, I, the performances, everything about it. And Matthew Vaughn's an incredible director in general. Um, you no, know, I, I, I I see what you're saying. I mean, again, that's just, there's my dryer. There's, that's just the... Uh, um, that's them having no idea or caring or it's still that's still like pre-avengers era you know what i'm saying like they don't mm-hmm. really have any idea they were trying to fix it with days of future past but even then yeah, it still makes no sense i mean like mm-hmm. afterwards they're, they're always contradicting themselves <laughs> i mean ironically the mcu is now going to f- has retconned that right like it, it's a multiverse so now it's all mm-hmm. multiversal or whatever so everything is okay because it all makes sense now so i, I guess <laughs> you know what i'm saying like you, that, that's the, that's the excuse is what i'm saying like oh it's just yeah like-. It's, it's okay back then i was highly frustrated like on a daily basis like that's all i thought about was like how these didn't fucking make sense but right now it's like whatever you know it's, it's the, all-
1: the transition of like we got to put something out here to keep the rights to this and keep making money. Versus, why aren't we putting in the effort to building this into something mm-hmm. that's memorable and? Well, it's, pe-
3: it's, yeah. it's that plus. I mean, they're you know they they're I'm sure with like almost every other movie, they were like they're wanting to almost reboot it or revamp it, or they want to get their ideas and that you know they had similar producers. They had uh, Richard and his wife uh, mm-hmm. Laura Lauren, um, and. uh all them people but look yeah lauren schiller donner yeah and um they, you know they uh they're not coming people they're just they're in the money business you mm-hmm. know so part yeah. of it.
2: well a big part of this movie that for me is like a take my money moment i love a school full of super powered people and we get to see them all using their crazy powers just on like a regular basis like this sky high love that movie it's an awful movie but i love that that's movie because fantastic. it's all i want
3: It's uh not all kurt russell, <laughs> i can watch kurt russell watch paint dry and
2: <laughs> um i don't know if anyone watches anime but like my hero academia like that that kind of stuff is my jam that's and also. i'm
3: going to <laughs> tattoo right here of all my that's my that's my next thing so
2: that i I, hang out Drew. sometimes absolutely (laughs) uh i i love just give me a school full of people with powers that's all i want it just it doesn't i don't care what they're doing that's what i want to see um so in this movie the scene where the school gets attacked i was like here we go like the second it started (laughs) i was like oh my i cannot wait we're gonna see so much cool stuff and sure enough yeah we saw like some kid with supersonic screeching powers we get to see uh colossus do his thing and like throw some people through a wall which is like i get that you're like you know you're being attacked but also it's your school man it's, like it's destruction of property um <laughs> bobby's like freezing up entire hallways and kitty's running through the walls like oh i loved it i love that scene i could just watch that scene over and over again uh,
1: my favorite moment within all that scene and this goes back to to Wolverine is just how much he was just holding back, you know, because we didn't really see any action things with him. Mm-hmm. But the way that he just honed into that character in that moment is it's almost like I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. But these guys are here. And then when he just goes crazy, <laughs> like that first moment, he's he like pins the guy. I, it's Wolverine. funny because like, like I, I know.
2: I know you're not supposed to think about it, but one thing that I just kept thinking the whole time was like, okay, so it's a school full of kids in of, like, all ages. I mean, I don't yeah. know that we know, like, it's not Xavier's middle school or high school, you know, it's just <laughs> Xavier's school. So I assume that there's kids of all ages, and now the kitchen is just full of dead bodies. Like, who has to clean that up?
3: a normal Saturday night, yeah.
1: <laughs> Who's the yeah. – it's a good point. Who's the cleanup crew at the Xavier School?
0: There's yeah. that series where it's just like the people who have to work for all the supers and like clean up, up messes with their powers yeah. and do murder.
2: There's a book actually uh, basically about that. It's like about a law firm that deals with all of the I mean, it's kind of what we get with um with like the She-Hulk series you know yeah. the, the super powered law firm but instead of superpowered like lawyers it's like a law firm that has to deal with dealing with all the superheroes after they have a fight being like hey you destroyed this building and it's going to cost you this much money to repair it i was like yeah i'd watch that
3: <laughs> oh definitely um yeah there's a few interesting things there at the school thing one of them being just the uh, you're seeing like i think i can't even his name it's pyro's character Mm-hmm. Um, you're seeing him, you know, kind of seeing like what happens when the other side is aggressive, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, that's like the start of that. And that kind of leads us to the the house scene where he's, where he, you know, um, Bobby's there with his brother and everything else. But I think that, and also it's, it's you see the dichotomy of here's what the, the kids are used to in terms of like defending themselves. And then you have Wolverine on the, on the other side of the spectrum, like just going berserker rage and just, you know, taking care of business. And it's kind of like this, like what's, what's right, what's wrong? I do have a question for you guys, and I, I personally, Colossus from Deadpool, um, one and two, obviously is great. Um, mm-hmm. It's very comic accurate. But I always love the visual of him like armoring up and in X Men two. Mm-hmm. Like I like it to see it come on. It's a really cool thing. What do you guys do? You guys prefer? I mean, I'm assuming you prefer the Deadpool Colossus. It's more comic accurate. But I kind of like the the X Men two. You know, and also I oh, think yeah three, and also I think he was in Dead's Future Past. Colossus
2: I like I like X-Men Colossus better I think mm. Deadpool Colossus is yes like very comic book accurate but it's almost like just like Deadpool um juggernaut right it's yeah. like okay and it, like <laughs> in, in the X-Men movies they at least tried to make things believable Or, or like understandable, even when we get yeah, even if when we get (laughs) when we get Juggernaut in X three, it's like it's a human being. It's not like a hulking (laughs) monster. Um, So I appreciate that, and I do like the the like when we see him come out and he like transforms as they're like shooting him with the little darts or whatever. Like that's super cool. Yeah, I think that Deadpool Colossus they did backwards. Because um, I don't remember, we, I feel like we just talked about this, but in the comics, there's a part where Colossus gets his head dented and then mm-hmm. he can never transform back into human form or it'll kill him. So he has to stay in Colossus form yes. and we get that in Deadpool 2, but it doesn't explain why he's always Colossus in Deadpool 1. Gotcha. Because mm-hmm. it's like, ah, oh, if they had done that in Deadpool 2, then like I wouldn't have had a second thought about it, it or been like, well, yeah, he can't change back but yeah. since that hasn't happened yet it's kind of like why is he always like he's just hanging out in like full colossus form at the school <laughs> i mean that's where that's
1: yeah. where they go into the jokes of like this is the monetary thing like it's cheaper to do it just go ahead and keep this
3: away. versus <laughs> having you yeah, having
1: changed back yeah before.
3: i think there is something it's it's i mean again i do love all the things we get in the deadpool movies but i i agree in terms of like juggernaut and colossus i think bring them down to like more of a a human size makes them more i mean they're obviously more relatable but i don't know it just makes it it feels like it's more grounded in the universe like it's actually tangibly there and Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know again i think it's just uh, there's something about the guy suiting up i think is really cool like you want to see a guy jump out of a helicopter and then turn into colossus right before he hits the ground or something that's what you want to see you know what i mean yeah
2: and it helps with like um i feel like a lot of cg characters have this issue that I like to call the Godzilla issue where if you watch Godzilla, the size that Godzilla is changes every time you see him. Mm -hmm. Sometimes he's taller than the tallest building. Sometimes he's half the size of the tallest building. Sometimes he picks up a car in his hand and it looks like he's holding like a large toy car. Other times he steps next to like 15 cars and his foot is bigger than all of them. So it's like, you have to decide mm-hmm. how big you're actually making this and keep it that way. And I feel like we have that problem with um with Juggernaut in Deadpool, where like he fits in this like train car train, but then when he breaks out of it, he's like twice as tall as the train car train thing. And he's it's like a
3: classic roly poly move. He was I... like <laughs> <He> crunches. <was laughs>
2: uh, yeah. So it's like, I I think it's another reason that I appreciate the way that they did those bigger characters in these movies, but it's also why I appreciate uh, practical effects over CG effects because it's it's just easier to scale those things so that they're always the same. Like we never see Wolverine's claws longer in one scene and shorter in one scene, but then in X-Men Origins, they're all over the place, like mm-hmm. I don't They're understand,
3: yeah. Yeah, are what they are. <laughs> have, <laughs> so you, have you guys seen Legends of Tomorrow?
1: I have familiar. not watched that one no. on D-
3: on CW. Well, there's uh, I can't think of his name, but oh, anyway, yes, he yes. like he suits up like he's like Colossus base, basically. That's on a TV show, and it looks more realistic than it does, than, than he does in Deadpool because he's not a huge, giant, walking Russian
2: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> you know I'm saying So, like, no, I, I agree with you for sure.
2: Yeah, and and I'm really bummed that we didn't get more. Uh, I mean, you know, I always complain about getting too much, but then when there's not enough, I want more. So I feel like in this movie, especially in that scene, there's like so many other X-Men that we could have got pulled in. Um, I know there is a lot that like, you know, we see. There's a lot that wasn't in this movie that was supposed to be in this movie. Um, There's like a scene when Jubilee is supposed to be like, Her hands are starting to sparkle and like crack with static electricity that got cut out. Um, The whole part where they have uh, Charles like mind controlled and he's killing all the mutants. Earlier, we saw Hank McCoy on TV as a human having like an interview. And there was supposed to be a scene where when Charles is killing all the mutants, it actually we see Hank transform into Beast. And there's somebody else. There was like who another meeting. An was...
3: I don't remember. It's a of guy. Or... Yeah. Okay. It's, not
2: who, it's not who we got in the very next movie. Oh.
3: <laughs> you you got to give, even if you don't like that movie, having him play freaking Pete.
1: Oh, yeah.
3: Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. I mean, yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I want to yeah. watch Frasier, but him as Beast the entire time. <laughs> That's what I want to watch. It'd be incredible. It'd
2: be Fur-Rasier. oh Um, Oh, there you go (laughs) (laughs) but yeah there's there's a lot that got cut that was supposed to be in the movie and that always you know it always makes me sad especially because some of that stuff gets edited and then even in like the special features dvd menu right it Mm -hmm. won't it won't be in there it'll come out like years and years later they'll be like oh yeah we shot these three things and edited them and never put them in the movie and it's like why why didn't you release that with like the Special features. Are you
1: telling me we could get an X2 director's cut? Yeah. It's four hours
2: long and it's 500.
1: I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. you have
2: an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. 100 pixels by 500 Please. pixels. I was about to say, this United is
3: United Director's Cut. Sorry. That's the whole <laughs> Sorry. That's the It's
0: hard. Already <laughs> two and a half hours long.
3: <clears throat> yeah. I can
0: see why they had to make some cuts. <laughs> exactly.
3: Link. Link. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if part of it too though, like that kind of stuff, Drew, is um I'm sure their contracts aren't this ironclad for like B players, or whatever, but mm-hmm. you wonder if there's people who had stuff cut. And it's like, well, even they get might get paid a royalties if they're on the DVD extras. Because you know, I'm True. saying you wonder, and then you wonder if, like, well, I'm sure there's little clauses like that that's sprinkled throughout there. That I mean, again, the DVD stuff, it's I miss having special features and, you know, those kind of things. And even though I didn't watch half of them all, all the time, I did some of them, but like, I think it was just a thing that, you know, they just did, they did just enough to warrant you to buy a DVD. They didn't really need mm-hmm. to go full blown, you know? And also the, the other thing too is they with, they purposely withheld certain things so they could have more additions later. Like we, yeah. that's, I'm, maybe cynically they did it like, you know, well, we'll do it on purpose, but I think part of it too is just that, you know, they just like, we'll just do enough. And the part is like, well, you know, 10 years from now we'll have another cut and you can order another or DVD or whatever it is. And, um, you know, I, I, it's forgivable. You know, again, there's a reason I like to think, uh, I like to think that the movie we get is the director's cut or the, the studio cut, because there's a reason why we don't see those other things. The performance is really bad. The visual effects weren't finished or whatever. And it's like, you know what? Just keep it out of your mind's eye kind of thing. Forgive some of <laughs> mm-hmm. that kind of
2: stuff. I would, except, uh, Donovan, I haven't told you this story, and I'm sorry listeners and Luke and Elise, I've told this story a hundred <laughs> times, but <laughs> the first time that I watched X-Men Origins Wolverine was like a pre-comp cut of the movie. So half of the CG effects weren't done. Like when the plane flies over at the beginning, it was just yeah. like a gray model of a plane. and watching that movie i was like there's no way that this was released in theaters right like this is awful and then years later i watched the actual movie and i honestly like i kind of like the pre-cut version because it it gives you a little bit hope that like eventually this will be better (laughs) yeah so i i I like having you know as much as you know director cuts are cool but i kind of Yeah. yeah they can be cool yes um I do really like seeing deleted scenes later and mm-hmm. and get to like insert them or insert the ones that I wish were in there. Yeah, in mm-hmm. my mind and like wish that there was like a Drew cut of the movie that had like just the ones that I wanted because mm-hmm. some of the extended scenes you're like, well, I can see why you cut this. This is awful or it like doesn't add anything to yeah, the story.
3: Yeah. So I I, I wish that there was. That, uh... X-Men Origins Wolverine is just one big deleted scene that got accidentally released on the studio. <laughs> <laughs> Personally, I, I, I say that. I've seen that movie probably 10 times. I mean, I, I watch all these things yeah. like a, a gross amount of times, even if I don't like them. So, um, But yeah, I wish I was on the X-Men Origins podcast because I would have had a few things to say on that one. But, yeah.
2: uh, well, talking about things that uh, were, were left in on accident, we'll kind of fast forward a little bit in this movie. Um, when they're breaking out of striker's facility and they need Kurt to teleport inside a chamber to get some kids out. If you look at the shot right before he teleports in there, he's already in there. <laughs> I think that they meant to take him out and they didn't. Um, mm-hmm. But this is... This is probably one of my like favorite oopses from the X-Men movies, just because I mean, apart from Origins. Um just because it's it's just so funny. Like you just see him standing back there in the dark, and like it's just not quite dark enough to like make him not visible. And then you hear the like bamf, and then he like steps out of the shadow, and it's like, did he like teleport again just to Get their attention oh, but he's been in there the whole time i don't know i just thought that was so funny every time i see it i'm like god you guys had so much money to make this movie and some shadows 10
1: million you. dollars
3: to <laughs> yeah. i think too i mean also they didn't they didn't anticipate having these really nice tvs that can look into like some you know the the yeah. black black tv might not might not be as black as they should be also so like True. they're watching like pretty contrasty film when they're editing and stuff and you, know, you just never know. That's like, that's,
2: right. There's always those factors going in. It, you know? Right. It's just it is it, so funny to me thinking like surely somebody said while they were shooting like, OK, you're going to stand here. And then in post, we'll like we'll like edit you out. It's, it's <laughs> totally cool. And then, yeah, when they got to the editor, somebody just forgot to mention like, hey, when you get to this part, can you edit them out? And so they just didn't they're like yeah, yeah that's fine. I
3: mean, also that's part of the like merch's rule of six in terms of hierarchy of editing right so it's like you cut on emotion you cut on um you know time and space and three-dimensional space those kind of things and down there in the hierarchy like not many people like i didn't i don't i've never noticed that so like the whatever's happening emotionally is is trumping the mistakes down there so that's that's mm-hmm. you know that's, we do, we're doing it all the time in filmmaking and that oh, is, yeah. that is, that is interesting though. So yeah.
2: Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah, I've definitely done it in films that I've made like, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll edit that different later. And then I get to it. I'm like, nah, nah it's fine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just funny thinking about like just how much money, especially for the time that they had to make this movie. And, and there was just like a little, little thing like that. And like, yeah, you don't really notice it if you're watching the movie because the, the focus is on the kids because I think like Rogue is saying something. So like the focus is on her. But after I watch a movie like 12 times, especially when I was a kid, like we didn't have cable or anything like that. I had VHSs and I had DVDs and I would watch them over and over and over and over. I would watch them in other languages just to like mix it up, you know, like so I I started focusing more on things. So like what's in the background here? I'm like, oh, what's that guy mm-hmm. doing in this scene? And that's when you you notice those little things that you're like, oh. like uh, a lot of times in movies when people are running, they'll like look and you're like, what are they looking at? Like, that's not where the monster's coming from. Like, why are they looking left, the monster's on the mm-hmm. right? But it's just like a background actor. that was. They're probably just mm-hmm. like, all right, everybody run, there's a monster. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, my last big thing that I wanted to talk about for this movie was uh, Lady Deathstrike because... <clears throat> what a cool character to put in this movie and then her fight scene with wolverine is so cool and ends in such like a violent dramatic fashion <laughs> she gets like her body filled with adamantium and it like leaks out of her eye sockets and her nose and then the metal clunk that they add in when her head hits the bottom of the tank i was just like as a kid i was like oh my God, that's oh, my God, like that's too violent for me to be watching. <laughs> it's a good uh, it's a good oh, oh, yeah. But now I, I, I love that fight scene. I think it's oh, so yeah. cool. Like, the
1: uh, When she first extends the claws and just Wolverine's like, when he's, he's just looking, he's like, oh, shit. <laughs> that is like, I felt that. Like, he's just like, it's almost like old man Logan's like, I really don't want to do this, but <laughs> I guess you got
3: to. <laughs> I think the worst part is when she when he's on the grate, I think, and she's stabbing up, and like the drops of blood are going into the, um, like the little mm. whatever mm-hmm. the little containment area thing. Um, yeah, no, it's pretty pretty violent. I mean, I, as a kid, I was like, it's okay, he stabs her with the thing, and then she gets injected with the adamantium. I want something cooler. Like I'm always <laughs> I'm always in service of what's cooler here. Like, what can we do? Can we make it ten percent cooler? And then after that, can we make it five percent cooler than that? so like as a kid i'm like oh that's okay i could have thought of like 10 other other cooler things to do but um it's fine it's fine it's, it's a good <laughs> little, it's
0: fine I almost I it almost bothered me that her claws came out of her fingers like that doesn't seem like the most stable place for you to use your weapon claws i mean it does work in the scene she uh she holds her own in the spot until the Middle feeling part, Mm -hmm. but I also I looked on the the trivia for this movie on IMDb, and it said that they had to glue those claws to the actress's fingernails. They made oh, her grow her nails out and they glued them on under there. And that She's sounds a very actually. painful. That's the
3: rumor. She still has them. It's cracked. So actually. <laughs> they never fell off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> She's trying. You know. so if you ever it's, had fake nails removed, you know it's tough. <laughs> I've seen it done. It,
2: yeah, it's it's not easy. It's funny to me to think, like, her, her nails are so long and realistically, the sharp part of her nail is, like, the tip. Mm-hmm. So I've never understood in comics or in the movies why Lady Deathstrike's nails are so long. Like I know in the comics, it's, she's like a cyborg and her fingers are crazy long. And that's what turn into adamantium. But for mm-hmm. this, it's like, yeah, she like grows her fingernails like six inches long. And realistically, the last like two inches are the sharp part. Why why make them so yeah. gangly? You feel like that would be a diff- like, can she pick stuff up? Does she have to like close her nails to pick something up really uh-huh. quick?
3: She just stabs things like she wants a Twinkie, she just stabs a Twinkie in her <laughs> or a hot dog or something. Um, one thing yes. I do I, I want to talk about is uh, and I'm sure you guys have maybe talked about this in your last one for X Men One. You'll talk about it definitely in the next one. I know you will in the, about the first 10 minutes of the movie, but. One unsung hero throughout the whole franchise, and as someone who didn't get any love, in my opinion, was James Marsden as Cyclops. And like just the, the the small amount of screen time we get with him in this movie, it's like man, like I I still would take a James Marsden Cyclops like as a you know as a as the leader of the X Men, like mm-hmm. because I love Wolverine and I'm glad I got all that Hugh all that Hugh goodness. I really wish that we would had a true X Men movie with Cyclops leading the team. And got it, dive dive more into him, you know, and to mm-hmm. Scott Summers. So, I you know I doubt we'll get James Marsden in any large role in the future. I, maybe in Secret Wars, maybe in something mm-hmm. else. Um, but I, I oh, really man. loved him as the character, and I, I wish we'd got more
2: of. Him. I definitely agree.
1: I yeah.
3: mean,
2: <clears throat> he the X-Men comics did something that's like one of my favorite things that writers do when they make a movie before. Like I know comics is different, right? Comics never end, but like, think about Harry Potter, right? They made the movie, they made the fourth movie in the fourth book. Hermione goes and finds out about the house elves that work in the castle and they do spew and all that stuff. And then they cut that out of the movie. That wasn't in the movie. And then in the last book, Boy, oh boy, there's like an entire chapter about how the house elves that work in the kitchens and they're friends with Hermione and they come to the aid of the school and help defend the school. And as soon as I read that, I was like, oh, JK got them. She was like, you you <laughs> cut spew out of the movie. Well, guess what? Now Spew's a main part of the book. Like, I love when that happens. And oh, I yeah. feel that way about Cyclops because. Eventually, Cyclops takes over not only the X-Men but the Brotherhood of Mutants and creates Utopia, which is, like, the place where all the mutants live. And he's Mm -hmm. in charge of it. And he has, like, this crazy bubble helmet with a big X on it. And he's, like, super cool. And he's, like, the leader of all of them. And ever since that happened, that's all I can think about. It's like, man, they really did him dirty in those movies by, like, Mm -hmm. basically making him a punchline for
1: Wolverine jokes and yeah,
2: other than that, it's like,
1: yeah, they're making like Scott and Gene and Logan, this trinity of this awkward romantic triangle thing. And but the, the movies make you
2: not like him. The movies yeah. make you think yeah. like, oh, Gene, like, yeah, leave him. Get with Logan, because all of the storyline is Logan and Gene. Mm-hmm. Scott just shows up every now and then to make like a snide remark towards Wolverine. and The Wolverine like flicks him off with the claw and everybody laughs and then we don't see scott again so it's like oh man
3: give can him a you, chance <laughs> can you imagine me and james saying like all right x-men 3 here we go i'm gonna read the script and he starts opening it up and he's like oh first five minutes i'm dead you know what i mean like, <laughs> like oh they really don't like my character i guess you know and that's i i even though I don't think the casting is great, getting Ty Sheridan Ty Sheridan or Ty Sheridan? Ty Sheridan and um, Apocalypse, I was like, oh, at least they're you know, we're gonna get another cyclops, we're gonna get another yeah. chance, you know. And even then, you know, we we that didn't pan out very well, as we know. Mm-hmm. But I'm really hoping that you know, whenever they do to bring in X-Men to the, the MCU, a Wolverine's doing his own thing and he's not only part of the X-Men, and then the X-Men is like the original core team with like beast and you know mm. cyclops storm and, and, and whoever else and uh i really hope like they do their own thing and wolverine comes in wolverine should be kind of like the hulk where like he's everyone's favorite character in the scene if they do him right like in avengers one but like he comes in and like steals the scene but it shouldn't be about him he's a good character to like enhance a moment or something to make making yeah. really badass whatever we've got plenty of him in the, and especially with, with hugh jackman they really need to focus on the X-Men and bring in mm-hmm. Wolverine now as, like, the cherry on top for for moments and scenes and stuff.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. Personally, or even uh, if they... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, I, I kind of hope they go with <clears throat> the patch storyline. And so we mm-hmm. don't really see him as Wolverine yet, but he's, like, you know, the patch persona mm-hmm. because that whole world's already been built enough. Yeah. And we've seen enough clues, like, that's where he starts showing up and then eventually he just kind of transitions into... Well, his yeah. bar is there, right? Isn't that the yeah, bar that exactly. we saw? It. Yeah, uh-huh. so yeah,
3: yeah. yeah um, <clears throat> I have a sidebar. What do you guys think about um, is it desposito as Charles Xavier? Um, get, get Carlo Desposito? Yes,
1: I'm Would, for it.
3: Would that be amazing to have him as Professor X?
1: I'm.
3: 100%. I'm just
2: ready for. I'm just ready for it to be cast and and them to be. Like, at this point, I don't even, I don't care. Like, it doesn't, I just want to see him. Like, give me something, Marvel. You keep, (laughs) like, half-teasing us over and over. And then I feel like the last thing I saw was, like, oh, it's been confirmed that we're not getting X-Men until, like, phase seven. And I was, like, but but you have them. Like, we've been waiting for so long for you to have
3: them. Now you have the rights to use them, and you're not using them? Like, Pull well, them in a movie well it's also interesting how they're going to do it too i mean partly the reason why the x-men movies work is because there's not all these other characters that are pre-existing even yeah. in the comics it's always been kind of <clears throat> hard to explain like okay there's mutants and there's inhumans and then there's superheroes and they're you know like they're, these guys got powers by accident. these guys were born with it and then these guys are mm-hmm. something else so it's like I mean, the whole idea, right, is the uh, analogy of, of racism and, and that kind of stuff in the in the 50s and 60s, like Jim Crow and that kind of stuff. So, which also, Denzel would be a great Magneto. Um, but, you know, <laughs> you, you wonder, like, how they're going to do this in MCU when what I think is a mistake in Phase 4 is, like, having all these rando B villains and superheroes pop up and like, She-Hulk on the side. And then it's like, okay, all these are going on, but then... The X-Men comes up with well, what makes the X-Men so special? Like what's mm-hmm. what's their threat to humanity that that makes them isolated and kind of gives us that, you know, the you know the, the racism aspect of it all. So I, I wonder how they're gonna do that. I do want to know, Drew, what's your thoughts on phase four so far?
2: I liked phase four. I feel like I enjoy them introducing all of these other characters. I enjoy there being these series that I can watch that are like characters that are like, yeah, like if they came out tomorrow and and they hadn't done Moon Knight and they were like, hey, in six months, we're going to come out with the Moon Knight movie, I would be like, that's weird. Why, like, why? What are they going to do with him? But now that they've kind of introduced it as a series and like they could continue that stuff on the side. Where like maybe it's mentioned in the movies, but like they're really keeping him until they do something big like Midnight Suns or something. They can pull in all of these more um, extraterrestrial sci-fi horror heroes. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate that. I think with the X-Men in my mind, the easiest way to bring them in is to bring them in and instead of focusing on X-Men specific storylines like Mojo World and and, uh, and Days of Future Past, like we don't need to do that stuff. Instead, it could be more like maybe they hit us from the beginning with X-Men versus the Avengers and do that storyline. And then that way, it kind of introduces the X-Men. We don't know who they are. Maybe they don't know who they are yet. They have powers. They're trying to fight against people that are, you know, against mutants existing. And then Scott creates Utopia. You know, maybe the maybe. And I think I've said this before, like maybe we don't even get Xavier and Magneto. Like maybe this is post Xavier passing and It's the Jean Grey school and we go that direction instead where it's like some of these more iconic characters. That would be difficult to like recast and convince us all that like this is the new Charles, like maybe we just forego Charles and start with somebody else and start with like a storyline further down the line that kind of sets up the X-Men to be on their own island and we get them occasionally where we get one or two of them occasionally, but like we don't have to think about the fact that like, here's the East Coast Avengers. Here's the West Coast Avengers. Here's the X-Men. Here's the uh, Canadian, whatever that that is, H-Force or whatever. Like there's, we're getting to a point where there's going to be too many competing groups that it's like, okay, well, if Galactus comes, well, now I'm not even worried. There's like... 60 Never groups of heroes
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's like 60 groups of heroes that can fly out and so it's going to take away that like uh oh Dr. Doom is scary like no he's not there's like 300 heroes to one bad guy like and some of them can't die some of them are invincible like get, get out of here like if, well, if they
3: part of two secret wars you know I, we're all talking about X-Men and phase four and five and as much as I think Secret Wars should be saved for when we have the new line of X-Men, like our new Wolverine. That way we can have new Wolverine and Hugh together on the same screen.
4: Mm-hmm. I
3: do think they're going to do, obviously, Secret Wars first. Mm-hmm. And I think that will maybe palette cleanse the universe and like we'll go back to less heroes. We'll, we'll keep what worked in Phase 4 and 5. They'll take away what didn't. And I mean, I'm curious to see how they jumble that. I mean, it, it, it could be Kevin Feige's swan song, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just wonder how long he's gonna do this. And then he's not gonna announce it until like right before the movie comes out, if he leaves or not. But um, mm-hmm. I, I think it could be like that where, where we go back to, we recast Iron Man, we recast Captain America, all these people, and we start back over again. But we start back over now with Spider-Man beginning, Iron Man, Captain America, and X-Men beginning. And we start mm. that train all over again with new with new actors and stuff. So um, I'm curious myself. But I, I mean, I hope we all those things we're talking about. Like, I hope we see a good Dark Phoenix story. I hope we see a good Genosha or House of M story or mm-hmm. or Chisholm or, or Chisholm. Sorry, I said Chisholm Chisholm or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I hope we see those things
2: well, yeah. and even something like House of M could be a good reboot like yeah, could. Wanda loses yeah. it and like takes away everyone's powers and then when that gets fixed and people get their powers back, like then that's how we introduce like, oh, now there's all these mutants that like we didn't know about before, but their powers yeah. got taken away and they were like, what happened to my powers? Oh no. Now I'm a mutant. Like
3: I, there's, I was absolutely <clears throat> convince, sorry to cut you off. I was oh, absolutely convinced in WandaVision that she was going to be like, based on a past, be like if there was more of us, then I could have had my children saved, or Vision would have been saved whenever Thanos okay. come And I thought they were going to flip it on its head, like at the end of one of Vision, she was going to say more mutants. Like she's going to find out she's a mutant. She's going to say more mutants, and that's how that was going to get started. That's I, that's what I thought was going to happen. But as we always do on podcasting for one, we were writing better stories than they give us, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah. it didn't happen. But I was still like, I thought that was it's a just, cool path to go.
1: Yeah, because they they've more or less said like mutants are going to appear throughout the next couple of phases the question is is like what's going to be the overall interaction with like the avengers and the known superheroes in the mcu but i do like the secret wars aspect like could we get patrick stewart or james marsden back within secret wars and they're just like addressing it as like we've always been here we've just been in the shadows but we're here if you need us and that's kind of like how it phases them in.
2: I, mean, I see I, I like that because, like that was my favorite part of them introducing <clears throat> Spider-Man and then us getting Tom Holland's mm-hmm. Spider-Man movie, which was like, we don't need the origin. Everybody knows the origin. So like even if they went ahead and introduced the X-Men and we were like, we're not giving you an origin because you know who the X-Men are. This is a already established group. That's what I'm saying, Like if we could get future, x-men with like maybe charles is gone and gene's taken over and or scott has taken over and it's like yeah we don't need all the backstory we've gotten the backstory and like if they really want to sprinkle some in here and there they can but maybe set up the x-men in a way where they can be separated from everybody else so that we don't always expect them to be there but then the way that they're doing these series like okay introduce some storylines as a series instead of a movie and that way it's like we still can get those storylines if we want them but they're not like shoehorned into an already existing universe where all of us as viewers have already seen the x-men formed twice we've already seen dark phoenix twice like i would rather you just introduce us to a gene who has control over the phoenix force and go that direction instead of seeing like okay what's this director's take on the phoenix force going to be like is it going to be any better than the other two like i i really enjoyed we haven't gotten there yet but i really enjoyed the new x-men i thought it was like a fun new x-men story and that's what i want more of much like much like my my star wars fandom is i want star wars universe stories that you don't ever say skywalker in <laughs> I think it's such a cool universe, just like the X-Men. I think it's such a cool universe that like Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Well, yes, it would be cool to see them do justice to some of the characters that they didn't before. I would rather you hit me with like new X-Men. Don't even do old X-Men, do new X-Men and do hazmat and metal face or whatever that the red robot guy is like. Give me those characters and then like. Have maybe some of the more classic X Men are just teachers at the school, but they are not the X Men that we get as like the new superhero team X Men.
3: I, I have to disagree like a hundred thousand <laughs> <laughs> percent. Like, it's the thing, like, it's like having let's just use DC example. It's like, oh, let's do Supergirl in The Flash, and it's like, uh, like, let's do Super Superman right first, and then we can bring in Supergirl, you know what I'm saying? Like, I hate like. I hate them trying to do these legacy characters and then like failing in some way. And then like, let's just do, let's just throw the kitchen sink in there and see what works. It's like, well, get the things that are tested and true that work first. And then you can, it's like a Supergirl story doesn't, doesn't it can absolutely work on its own. It can, but like, it works the best when you have Superman involved in the beginning.
4: Mm-hmm. Like,
3: it's like, it's like having Batman Beyond, like, oh, we failed with Ben Affleck. I'm not saying you did, I'm just an example. We failed with Ben Affleck, let's do Batman Beyond. It's like, okay. I love Batman Beyond. Give me Batman Beyond like a thousand movies in a row I, every day. I'd watch them. But it's like, don't do Batman Beyond unless you do a good Batman story first. Like let's mm-hmm. let's let's so we can have that emotional connection with that Bruce Wayne. Like you know what I'm saying. Like I'm always down for like let's get the legacy characters in tip top shape. The downside of that is like for comics it's okay because comics they don't age. They can just do whatever. Like now that we have. You know, it's Hugh Jackman's been doing this for 20 years now. And so it's like, right. we want him to be interacting with Spider-Man and Tony Stark and Iron Man. But because these actors have contracts and it's money deals because they're aging, it's like, okay, I'm going to kill some off, whatever. Like, I wanted Iron Man to talk to, and we still may get to the Secret Wars, but like, I wanted Tony Stark to talk to Hugh Jackman and Wolverine. Mm-hmm. And I want them both to be 30 years old. But we can't, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, right. you know, I get, <laughs> I get the logistics behind it. But I think we should get the legacy characters first and then and then go from there it's just my i i you know i get it because we've already got look, look at the list here 10 wolverine movies you know I, I, <laughs> yeah i get when it i i we totally agree no, but we haven't gotten wolverine with this classic costume yet so it's like yeah, yes, do it yeah. right once and they teased then, it uh, yeah, well, <laughs> like yeah six like, times <laughs> the deleted scene in and uh the wolverine is it's oh. Like, like oh
2: yeah Yeah, And I totally I totally agree. But I think for me, the reason that I'm I'm ready for them to move on is because of the fact that like these actors are going to age out. And if they've already told us that we're not going to get like X-Men for another. I mean, what a a phase is like two years. So if we're not going to get like an X-Men movie until phase seven, like that's four years away. Some of these people aren't even going to be interested in doing these movies anymore in a year from now so i don't want i don't want them to like slowly introduce these like core x-men characters that are then i am going to expect them to still want to be x-men in four years or five years or six years or however long to continue all these grand x-men stories when like i feel like the only way to do that would be to them to cast like 20 year olds and i think that was my biggest problem with the first class movies was that they they shoot they like shoved those x-men into being full-fledged x-men far too fast and i was like yeah but they're all like 18 and they're fighting apocalypse like no no back up like they're supposed to be adults and none of them are adults (laughs) And then they're fighting, like, the biggest X-Men bad that there is.
3: Well, technically, by the time Apocalypse hits, they're, like, 45. But <laughs> right. Because, like, I'm serious. But, like, because, yeah. like, time doesn't work correctly in the Foxverse. Like, I mean, like, they're 20 in 1962. Right. Really <laughs> Seriously. And then, like, so McAvoy is supposed to be, like, 60 in Apocalypse. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, really. And, and like, it's it, just that's they're using comic logic right where these mm-hmm. characters are aging with us and not the time they're in but mm-hmm. it still makes no fucking sense but yeah mm-hmm. I, I agree with you i agree with you it was being difficult
0: they do so kind I, of brush it off with mystique and say that like part of her mutation is that she doesn't age but yeah which, mystique like, is fully 70 years old
2: <laughs> yeah yeah which like is that i don't even i mean i don't want to dive into all that i should just look it up um <laughs> But uh, are there any? I know we've gone a little bit longer than a normal episode. So uh, oh. are there any uh, last thoughts on X <clears> two?
1: <throat> we didn't really talk too much about like the little sub story with Magneto and Mystique. You know, it's like Magneto's such a huge part of X Men, and especially with the you know the relationship with Xavier and 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 um, But it's like he's in jail, and we're it's like every now and then. Here's, you know, trying to break him out of jail. And but then we get this like joint forces. And I was thinking like early on in earlier discussions of like, what could the story have been if like, you know, what was Stryker's relationship with Magneto? Did he even even, you know, curious to see, like, if Stryker would have went and talked with Magneto and tried to like join forces there? or You know, what was, you know, his viewpoint around, you know, Magneto and Magneto's vision from especially from like the first X-Men movie, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: I could see that, but I feel like they're polar opposites. Like yeah. Magneto is trying to turn either kill everyone that's not a yeah. mutant or turn everyone into mutants. Where Stryker is like, I want to kill all He's, the mutants. Yeah, yeah. So I feel like they would be a hard that would be a hard sell for either one of them.
0: Yeah, yeah the duo, the um, Magneto and Mystique, also leads to one of the best jokes in this movie. And one of the only clear references to the first movie where they're both like kind of over in a corner giggling and they look over at Storm and say, we love what you've done with your hair. And Storm gets up. She's like pulling her gloves off and she's going to go kill. <laughs> that was great. That was a perfect moment.
2: <laughs> I think uh, the mystique in this movie is just great all around. I mean, when she like comes mm-hmm. in as Wolverine and Striker's like, that's not my invention. And then she like beats them all up and slides under and flicks them off. And then two seconds <laughs> later, it, like we see Stryker walk into this control room and then it turns out it's magnet or it's a uh, mystique. And you're just like, oh, what like mystique is on fire in this movie.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. She's that character's always just been a force. Like she, cause it's, it's one of those like hidden clues of like, is that mystique? Like you, mm-hmm. you want to pay attention to the details of like who's who. And I always thought that was cool. Side note, I, I totally like didn't realize like uh she was married to John Stamos until, Yes, <laughs> uh, was married, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was crazy. I
2: really hope that whenever we do get X-Men in the MCU that they do something where they're like, if you looked at this character in iron man there was like gold flecks in her eyes that's mystique <laughs> and if you looked at this character in guardians of the galaxy there were gold flecks in her eyes and that was this i always wish that like there was something a little more subtle than mm-hmm. like the the few times that we do see mystique is actually somebody that we didn't know she was when her eyes just turned completely yellow it's like well that's yeah. a little in your face like everyone right. would notice that but if there was something like she had like a yellow tint to her eye or something like something subtle like that that they could easily like Kevin could have been throwing that in every single movie yep maybe then, maybe
0: all those times that Nikki looks in the camera and she-Hulk it's actually Mystique
1: <laughs> I'll take <Right>. it <laughs> I mean maybe um yeah and then my last thought of course is like I lose it whenever you see the the Phoenix flying in the water at the end I mean that's just Mm -hmm. that was like cherry on top like and with just the
2: monologue over top which is like basically exactly what charles said but Mm -hmm. it's gene saying it i like the monologues that they do in these movies are great yeah they're just like they hit you you're Mm like oh my god you feel like you're a part of it Yeah, it's great
0: but couldn't gene have done the thing from inside the x-jet
3: look I agree, Elisa.
0: <laughs> well, and I, I also, in my looking at the trivia, it said that they didn't even begin production with the idea that it would end with Gene uh, dying. It was like an idea that I think Singer came up with partway through and then just kind of ran it by Famke Jansen, and she was on board with it because she was excited to like do the Dark Phoenix thing. Mm. But how do you how do you go into a $100 million movie production? and not know how it's going to end not have a like really specific target about what you're working toward through this whole movie and i think that's kind of how we ended up with this scene where again i really think it didn't have to happen this way because if you just think about it she has all these incredible powers does she really have to be outside for them to work yeah is this an absolutely necessary (laughs) self-sacrifice Or is she just kind of dipping because she's tired of having to be picking between Scott and Logan?
3: <laughs> is her out?
0: Yeah, she's like, I, I can't take this anymore. I think it
3: works. I mean, part of it is it's like working out. Like you know, you it sometimes it's easier to make that mind body connection when you can physically see the thing in front of you versus you Know, doing your mind's eye and seeing it across. I mean, it, it's also a movie. I mean, there's a, there's a different things. because that's the ultimate answer is That's that the writer wanted it to happen because that's what happened. But, movie. but you know, the answer to the question about the hundred million dollars and no ending, like, welcome to the the current Hollywood model, specifically with like the MCU and other big budget movies, like almost like the last three Formation Impossibles. They don't the, they write the third act while they're doing it, like the Batman they they shot they rewrote the third actor they hadn't figured it out yet when they started production the pandemic hit and then they rewrote the third act whatever which i think the third act is not great even oh. i
0: like
3: i like the movie a lot <laughs> for the batman
0: the third act was the part i did like
3: <laughs> uh, we, we'll we'll have a conversation later at least why that why you're wrong but it's okay <laughs> yeah. um but uh but i i you know that's just part of it sometimes and that was way abnormal back then. It's very common now because of like well, they even have it built into their schedule reshoots, mm-hmm. you know, all these things. And I think I think you can really see it with like some of the VFX, like the seams breaking, and some of the 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 visual effects. And like Thor, um, Love and Thunder, and then Doctor Strange, and you know, like just seeing wigs and reshoots and all these kind of things. You can really see the the stress or the stress of like the um, not knowing where they're going, the rewrites and. Mm-hmm. And you can think,
2: even see it like, you know, back then it was they were just coming off of X-Men, which like mm-hmm. blew up box offices. So yeah, they were probably like, oh, my gosh, like everyone loves this. I did. They were like, hey, we kind of have a script. They're like, do it. Shoot it right now. Like yeah. figure yeah. out the ending later.
3: Yeah. And, and I think also there is some like weird rules and stuff in terms of like what you can and can't shoot is like in terms of like changing the script for the writer's guild and everything else during production but i think like it's okay to discover those kind of things while you're shooting and especially if you're not if you're shooting somewhat in order or whatever i think like that's part of the filmmaking is like you know this this actually works better and i i i've never had an issue with the ending of x-men 2 and um i think it, it works great with the overall themes of the movie in terms of What you're willing to sacrifice and then also Mm -hmm. what you're willing to become you know to get what you want so
2: i agree i think for my last final thought would be on that if x2 had ended the way it did and x3 had been a completely different storyline where we get to see scott dealing with the fact that gene is gone and having to like take over as a leader for the x-men and, like, actually be leader of the X-Men. And then the, whatever, the fourth movie would have been the Dark Phoenix movie. I feel like it would have hit differently. Because sure. we just, we mm-hmm. didn't get time to <clears throat> to like Scott. So when he dies at the yeah. beginning of the third movie, you're, you're kind of like, okay, well, now Gene and Logan can be together, like.
3: I do love not to spoil your next podcast. I do love whenever he's walking up, his like his gauntlet, like things ripping off of him, and he's like crying, and he's that's pretty cool. Like that's a cool scene. I, I everything around it's not great, but like I think it's cool watching Hugh walk up there and and stab mm-hmm. his girlfriend.
2: Uh yeah, I, I again, I, I think that that movie could have been better if there had yeah. been oh, something in between to give us some time to like watch these characters actually grieve Mm -hmm. and and deal with that and then gene comes back and then it would hit you like (gasps) she's back like oh my gosh like everyone was so upset she was gone now she's back everything's gonna be cool and then she goes crazy and like starts killing them and then it's like whoa what is happening
1: yeah it's like they need that tony stark funeral scene like you need the whole school you need to see the you know the mutants that were impacted by it,
2: and yeah, you need a beat yeah. before you immediately yeah. bring her back. But that was X two, uh, so we've given you a little wait, sneak wait, preview. Wait. That was oh. X <laughs> X-Men two X Men United. X two X Men two X Men United. There you go. Almost had a brain injury. You guys didn't say correctly. Uh, so
3: these, these writers deserve our respect, guys. Yeah. <laughs>
2: You got a little sneak peek of uh, our our next X-Men movie, which will be Rise of the Dark Phoenix, I believe is the Mm
4: -hmm.
2: title. So uh, get ready for that. Unfortunately, there's nothing between. So we'll just go right into it. But
3: uh... (laughs) real quick, do you guys have you have this one? I assume you're going to do the Wolverine after that. And are you going to do Deadpool 1 and 2? Are you guys going to do New Mutants last or Logan So
2: the... The website that I'm using that has the chronological order um, has this, and then Dark Phoenix, and then Deadpool 1, and then Wolverine, and then Deadpool 2, and then New Mutants, which is like, it fits, New Mutants fits somewhere in there, but the list that I'm following has New Mutants last, because it doesn't reference anything else, Yeah, so it's kind of like a standalone.
3: I would do Logan last just to end on a good one, you know? Oh, yeah. And, and, on, yeah. and on a high note, you know, the yeah, highest yeah. notes actually, so.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. I do want to re-watch Logan, like, the black and white version. Hmm.
3: It's
1: like that and uh, the Snyder Cut. Like, I haven't watched the black and white versions of either of those. <laughs>
3: it's the same, maybe just black and white. It's I know,
1: <laughs> but it's just still, like, I just want to experience like everything
0: That was uh like they did that with uh justice league and i was like we already watched this for five hours and now you want me to watch the same movie but without colors
2: (laughs) yes yes give me give me logan but like sin city like just just red
3: that's (laughs) the only color
2: like i'll watch that 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 would be cool that would be cool good
3: idea
2: well, uh, we want to thank you, Donovan, for joining us this week. If uh, if you're interested in any of these other X-Men movies, feel free to join us again. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Call me up for any of them. I'm not sure I can make all of them, but I'll, I'm happy to talk about this kind of stuff. It's like it's my kind of my jam, so it's what I live for. Um, but thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it.
2: And if you guys want to listen to more of Donovan's stuff, go check out 241 Studios. Uh, you guys have podcasts, videos, everything right of it all.
3: We, have all we have all kinds of stuff yeah you can find us on 24 studios.com or you can go to youtube.com slash foreign studios which is the best place to consume all of our content again we have weekly podcast episodes um we're fixing we actually we've already pre-recorded episode 149 and 150 but um we're building up to those but those are our breakdowns with dr bruce hutchinson um who's the uh the head of the grad department at uca for film and we break down avengers Endgame in two-part special episodes so Ooh, hey, very cool it's like part of the best things we do i think is we uh get movies and sometimes they're marvel dc superhero other times they are more independent whatever mm-hmm. but we actually take like a filmmaker approach and break down like the sequences the act goals the everything and and infinity war was a great one episodes 199 100 um because it's such an interesting movie and the end game is pretty interesting too just how the writers you Know, figure things out and how they they structured it compared to other other movies.
2: Very cool. Well, I definitely am going to check that out, so you listeners should you too. like it. You like it, <laughs> and uh, I guess the question for this week is going to be who do you think should be the leader of the X Men? Uh, you could pick any mutant, I don't care, good, bad, in between, but it has to be a mutant or an inhuman at least I'm uh,
3: um, toad that should be the leader <laughs> I would it, love it, to see it. What, R. I. P. <laughs> yeah,
2: I would love to see what those suits would look like um, <laughs> so, so. Yeah, send us your answers on our social media and keep an ear out for our next episode which will be in 2023 Oh, you have to wait all the way until next year to hear another <laughs> episode so uh, we will see you all next year mm